Welcome. You are listening to a broadcast by Barnabas Foundation, your trusted partner for smart and powerful generosity. And here is your host, Reverend Philip Leo, Director of Church Communications. Welcome to today's live training from Barnabas Foundation. My name is Philip Leo. I'm Church Communications Director. It's my privilege to host uh, this session this morning. So glad to have with us John Bolt. Who, he is uh, Director of Finance and Operations for the Christian Reformed Church in America. Thanks so much, John, for joining us today. Good morning. And I already see comments about your casual attire. People are saying, where's the tie, John? Where? <laughs> I, I, I've been doing this working from home so long, I'm not sure I remember how to tie the tie. <laughs> Oh, John, I'm so, uh, uh, so thankful for, for this opportunity that we have. Before we start, I just want to mention to folks that we have a, a Q&A feature, of course, in Zoom. We'd like this to be interactive. If you have questions for John or for me, please feel free to, to log your question in. We'll keep an eye on them. We'll, let, we'll make them part of our discussion here today. Also, I want to make sure that um, you're aware of our church website for Barnabas uh, Foundation. It's church.barnabasfoundation.com. That's, uh, that's a, a really great resource for you. All of our church resources are available to you uh, at church.barnabasfoundation.com. And also another, just a reminder that uh, what we'll do with, uh, with today's live training is we'll record it, we'll put it out in video form, we'll put it out in a podcast form. Think about a church leader, think about uh, a deacon or treasurer, someone at your church that you can share this with later, and then follow up with them and say, hey, um, did you get a chance to listen to that podcast? What did you think about it? Just use it to spark good conversation to uh, good thinking around uh, church finances. And today we have uh, a, specific, a very specific topic, uh, five leadership qualities for a financially healthy church. And John and I are gonna talk through this, uh, what makes John qualified uh, more than anything else in my opinion is John's heart for the church. Uh, John is a follower of Jesus he has had a career in finance and um, has, a as I said, a deep love for the church. And so what he shares today is a unique perspective on finances and its role in church ministry. And John's uh, been able to have a front row seat um, in this arena for, for many years. So John comes to us uniquely qualified and not necessarily making uh, pronouncements from on high, but uh, simply trying to share uh, his own life experiences. Does that sound good, John? Yeah, this is truly the peanut gallery shouting out. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, uh, you and I have had, of course, leading up to today, uh, opportunities to sort of talk through this topic of leadership qualities for a financially healthy church. Uh, when it comes to church finances and leadership, uh, you talk about sort of this dynamic uh, between making do versus going and doing. Let's, let's begin there. Uh, the difference between just making do and, the, and, and going and doing. Yeah, well, I think it really comes down to the 
um, the way the leadership frames what their environment is. Uh, so often I've, I've seen leaders of churches, and this can be a large church, small church, a church with a lot of money in the bank or one without a lot. Uh, and, and they just work from a, a, a framework of scarcity. Uh, they're always worried about, well, you know, will we have enough to do this? Uh, do we want to take on that next project? Because, well, it may impact our ability to do X, Y, or Z. And I think the, the problem with that is we got to step back and say, this isn't our money. This is God's kingdom. It's his money. And we are the stewards of those funds. And this, we're working for the richest guy in the universe. He's got it all. It's all his, every square inch. Uh, and he, of course, wants us to use it where he feels it's appropriate. And I think our discernment has to go there. But if we're always working with scarcity, we, we always seem to be timid. We never seem to be ready to step out and say, we need to go do this. Uh, on the other hand, if we're working from a, a standpoint where we're stewards of God's resources and God will be generous where, where God wants us to go, then I think we need to be more bold. And I think we tend to be more bold in our, in our projects. We tend to say, okay, let's try this. Uh, recognizing not everything we do is gonna be a roaring success, but we're, we're doing things. Uh, the worst thing is to go hide in the corner because you're afraid that you're gonna make the, the, the misstep and you won't have any ability to recover. And I think that living in a, a environment of scarcity tends to put you in that, uh, that paradigm. Yeah, that's and you know what's interesting about that is that uh, in in our conversations, um, you are indicating that you know that sort of the scarcity mentality can leak out in all all kinds of ways, uh, and and even if it's not spoken, um, that vibe can be picked up by folks. And and what I found interesting is you were even talking about. You can even see a scarcity mentality in a document like a budget too, right? I mean, you can Absolutely. see. Um, and and uh, that was interesting to me because you're a finance guy and so you're gonna pick up on that uh, probably more easily than somebody like me who wouldn't. Yeah, it, I've, I've seen church budgets where uh, it, it seemed like they were uh, timid. Uh, there's not much new in the way of new ministry happening. Uh, a lot of the, uh, well, we'll just keep going. You start to see uh, certain programs ramping down uh, simply because they're, they're not getting fed with any new resources to, uh, to generate new interest, new excitement. Uh, and, a, and a church that gets into that mode, uh, it, it tends to slow down. The other thing that I think is really critical in that situation, it tends to be focused inwardly. We're always worried about how are we going to be doing? What about these programs that we have? And you miss the whole point of being church, which is to reach out. Uh, God didn't say, you know, go meet in church once a Sunday and, and keep the gospel a secret. He said, go out in the whole world, tell everybody about it. And the whole world starts right next door to your church. Um, and I think unless we have this, uh, this sense that we've got the ability to do that, we're, we're just missing the point. So if you look at a budget that, and 
you always have to say, where's the challenge? Um, I, I can think of a couple of examples where churches have been working hard to raise money for a particular project. And the doomsayers are always saying, well, you know, we got to cut back on the size of the project because we're not not going to be able to fulfill our, our, our goal. And then you hear some voice in the back of the room say, but what's our plan if we over subscribe, if we have more money than we need? And usually people all have a good laugh, but on numerous occasions, I've seen that to be exactly where the project ends up. They end up with more than they originally thought. And I think people just got to get the idea that God will provide whatever you need, but he wants you to be reaching out. He's more interested in you making the effort than to be very safe in your steps. Right. Uh, that little phrase, where's the challenge in this bud budget document is really cool. I think I'm gonna grab that and steal it from you and uh, use it somewhere else. I really, really like that, John. <laughs> you know, uh, when, we were, when we were talking just before we uh, got on this call, I didn't know you were saying that early in your career you were in South Africa, and uh, I did not know that. How many years did you say you spent there? We, well, I was with the Kellogg Company, and uh, part of the development program they had for their, their management team was to make sure you actually got out into, I'll call it the real world, and see how a cereal factory works in, in a setting other than the U.S., uh, particularly because at a smaller scale, you got to see everything. Well, in, in 1989, I was called into the CFO's office and said, we'd like you to be chief financial officer of Kellogg, South Africa. And you'd be starting down there January 1, 1990. And to put this in perspective, if you watch the newsreels of the day, uh, South Africa was in a lot of turmoil. Nelson Mandela was still in prison. Uh, the, the world was marching against apartheid. And I just looked at him. I said, you want me and my wife and my four children to move and live down there? He said, yeah. So we agreed. Uh, we went and uh, it was probably one of the greatest four years we, we've had as far as a broadening experience. But when we arrived six weeks later, Mandela was released. Uh, because of my position, I got to work with government officials, labor officials. Uh, we got very involved in a, uh, a church plant that uh, had just be begun. Uh, I got to work with uh, uh, a lot of the factory workers, which were uh, from the majority culture, the, the, the black workers. Uh, I got to be very involved and I got to see, uh, even in that kind of environment, how powerful generosity can really be. Uh, one of the things that we remember is uh, we were faced with the challenge of people are living in the townships because that's where the government said they had to live, but that didn't mean they had to live poorly. Uh, so what could we do? And we came up with the idea, well, what if we help them buy a house? And uh, surprisingly, it didn't take all that much money, particularly when you converted it to U.S. funds, uh, but the change we could make in people's lives by just thinking broadly, um, it, it was a real eye-opener for me. Yeah, and it also sort of is a good uh, 
good on-ramp to the next quality that we want to talk about in terms of, of leadership qualities, and that is a concern for the other, that, um, that that has to be demonstrated by leadership in the church uh, when it comes to church finances. Yeah, we, I, I think so often churches spend a lot of time looking inwardly rather than uh, out. Uh, I know of a couple of churches where they've actually uh, set goals for themselves, how much of their budget they want to spend beyond their four walls. Uh, too often, I think we create our church budget. Let's take care of ourselves first, and then we'll think about the rest. Mm. And uh, I sometimes worry that our personal budgets tend to go that way too. Let's think about what our family should have and then we'll see if anything's left over. Mm -hmm. And God says, no, first fruits. Uh, first fruits goes to him, goes to his kingdom. And I think even in a church budget, we should have that same attitude as well. Where does our first fruits go to make sure that we're proclaiming the gospel beyond those four walls? We've got to think about where where we go beyond just our congregation? How do we reach into our community? Uh, we've got mission agencies from the denomination that are really geared up to reach well into the world. And those were established years ago because the churches came together and said, we really can't do this on our own. So I think it's important that the local church participates in that. But I think it's also critical that local church participates in its own community because that's one of the key mission fields it's, it needs to address. Absolutely. You know, uh, sort of building on, on what we've talked about so far, John, um, and, and going back to sort of making do versus going and doing, uh, you've noticed that it, in this area of church finance and ministry finance, um, it's, it's, uh, it's tempting to be a leader who ends up being afraid of his or her own shadow uh, versus one who is displaying confidence in God. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, how, does that how does that play out, say, in church ministry? Um, and what, uh, what's the significance of it? Well, I think you have to have confidence that if, if you're following God's will, at least as you're understanding his, his voice in your head, uh, I think you have to have also the confidence that he's going to give you the resources to do the job. Uh, he didn't send Moses to see Pharaoh, just, you know, walk in, say some words and hope. He, he gave him signs to show Pharaoh. Uh, he, he gave him Aaron to help him speak. So he gives you the resources you need. And I think we've got to believe that too in our local church. If we're so worried about making a mistake, having a program not be a success, then we're never going to step out and do uh, what God wants us to. Uh, we've got to have that confidence. And, and the problem is in the council room, if who's ever leading the group, be it the minister or the head of council, they both have to have that, that vision, that excitement for stretching and, and creating the challenge in the budget. Otherwise, everybody's going to say, well, yeah, we got to be careful because, uh, you know, we, we may not be able to continue to do X, Y, or Z. And I think what we really got to say is how do we generate the excitement? If you, you know, go and talk to the advancement teams that are seeing our donors, one of the things the donors always want to hear about is what's the exciting things you're doing? Mm 
Well, the congregation's the same way. They want to know what exciting thing is our church going to do? Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how much they'll get behind it. Now, one of the other pieces that goes with that that I think we sort of forget sometimes is maybe we've got to take a look at some of the stuff we are doing and say, well, what isn't really adding to our program? Let's trim that back to help us get that that initial excitement going. But it's amazing how a congregation gets behind the 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 idea that really is is delivering what we're supposed to be doing. Absolutely. Uh, hey, I just want to pause here a moment. I want to remind those who are joining John and I, uh, feel free to be part of our, our discussion here. If you've got things on your mind, uh, things you want to raise, uh, questions that you have, feel free to uh, type them in. John and I uh, will gladly incorporate them into, into the conversation. I want to uh, talk about, uh, to me, this next quality that we're going to talk about, John, I think is it gets personal because um, you talk about how church leaders uh, have to be active in practicing generosity. And I imagine that's sort of juxtaposed to just talking about generosity, but that the actual practice uh, leading in the practice of generosity uh, has to be something that leaders display. Yeah, I, I think people lead by example much more than we sometimes even think. Uh, it's always great to have a wonderful sermon, but I think people are also watching the leaders. What are you actually doing? You know, when I meet you during the week, what's happening? You know, what programs are you supporting? And, and that's that's also speaks volumes to the congregation. And I think even to our children watching their parents, you know, how much generosity are they providing to others outside of their own family? Because that's where kids learn. They watch their parents and then they they go forth and do as well. And I think the the one thing that I would say that I've learned over the years, it's fun to be generous. Uh, You know, I've, I've dealt with people who are struggling and just were able to get them some money without them really knowing even who it came from. Uh, I think that's the other thing that that uh, we sometimes forget. A lot of the fun of generosity is making sure the perp- persons who you're, you're blessing don't necessarily know where it came from. Um, you don't want to be front and center to this generosity. You, it, it should be you know the right hand not knowing what the left is doing when in these situations. Right, right. Uh, but I think our leadership needs to be front and center. I, I've talked to some people about, uh, uh, you know, what we should be doing as far as taking the collection in church, uh, when assuming we go back to meeting in a church again. Uh, this one group I, I met with, they said, you know, in their church, the deacons start by passing the plate to the minister. Um, most churches I've gone to, I'm not sure I've ever seen the minister actually have the plate go by them. Uh, so I, I think that's that's one step. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I've had some real concern about is uh, the electronic giving. I'm a firm believer in, in the electronic giving at church. Don't get me wrong. Sure. Uh, my monthly tithe is done through an automatic uh, um, checking uh, uh, account withdrawal that the church does. Right. I like that because it's my first fruit. 
But what I'm missing then is I, I'm not necessarily demonstrating to my other family or to anybody sitting around me when the plate goes by and here's the CFO of the denomination doesn't seem to be ever putting anything in. Um, so sometimes you, you, you worry about some of that stuff, but it's, you, you've just got to live uh, the generous life, I think, to show. And the more you get excited about being generous, the more generous you're going to become, and it's yeah. just infectious. Yeah, and also, uh, you'll also be, uh, your own sort of antennae will be up for opportunities of generosity for God's people as well. It becomes sort of a, um, your awareness of opportunities for generosity um, uh, go up as well. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I was sitting in a worship service. There was a retired pastor, a longtime pastor, uh, who was, was filling in that Sunday. And it was time for the offering. And he walks, steps out from behind the pulpit. And he goes, hold on, hold on, just a minute here. He goes, all these years I've been preaching and, you know, doing worship services. And, and every single time the deacons go right by me and I never get a chance to put my offering in the plate. He goes, that's going to end today. And uh, he goes, I, before the deacons do anything else, he says, I, I need them to come up here. And I need to give my offering. So they come up there and he, he goes in his pocket. He pulls out, you know, whatever he gives. He throws it in the, in the plate and it was, goes on. It was kind of a striking moment for me. It was like, you know, he was, re, he was in retirement phase and he really didn't care uh, how he was perceived or what he was saying, but he was going to put an end to it right, right then and there. Yeah, that's one thing that I have found. As I've grown older, I have less concern about what other people are necessarily thinking I'm doing. I'd rather go out and do what I think is the right, right thing. Yeah, to do. Absolutely, absolutely. Age is very, uh, you know, freeing. Freeing, yes. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about uh, one last quality. This is this might be an interesting one too, but it's a real one, of course, and and uh, you've seen this in in your work. Uh, but basic financial literacy and stability—that's um, that's key for healthy for for church leaders uh, in a uh, for a healthy church uh, financial situation. Can you talk a little bit about uh, why that matters. Yeah, and, and uh, let's talk about. Uh maybe the minister and then the other church leaders. Uh, I think one of the concerns I've had and, and at the denomination now for the last uh, almost four years, we've had a program called Financial Shalom. It's part of the uh, Lilly Endowment Program to try to bring financial stability to ministers across the country. Uh, they've given us a very generous grant, actually a second one already. And uh, we are using that money to uh, to help ministers. Uh, but one of the key things is to try to get people to understand how budgets work. Um, even a church budget, uh, as a finance leader, uh, you know, I, I've gone into a lot of council rooms where I present the budget and I look around and I'm not sure anybody has really understood a word I have. Uh, but I think it's important for the minister to have some good general understanding. Uh, but I think it's also important for the council to be aware of the minister's financial situation. Uh, one of the things with Financial Shalom, when we first introduced it, we didn't have that many ministers applying for help. And it was 
almost a, a concern we had that that ministers were more worried about what others would think if they asked for help. And we also found that in a lot of churches, uh, ministers don't feel they're entitled to some of the help the church provides the rest of the congregation. A key example is uh, many churches uh, provide some aid towards Christian day school tuition. And it's very common for many people in the congregation to get some uh, tuition assistance for their family. But we've had all sorts of ministers who come and say, yeah, but that's for the congregation, not for me. And I think it's important that uh, the council be aware of what the minister's situation is. Sure. Because you can't go out and, and properly minister to a, a group if the top of mind concern in your is, you know, what are we going to do with all these bills I've got at home? So I think we've got to make sure ministers have good financial understanding, that councils are aware, and that you can get some of that stability in. Because I think that's then important uh, for them to properly lead. Going a step further, though, it, part of the financial shalom in our, our second phase that, that we've are doing is recognizing that it is a uh, holistic issue. It's, it's not just the minister and the council members who need to have a relatively good financial understanding. We need the entire congregation to do that. We need people who are, are managing their own resources that, that God's entrusted with to them, that they're managing them, you know, as best they can that they aren't doing things that are foolish simply because they don't know any better. So I think uh, part of what I really would, would like to see us doing um, broadly within the denomination and, and in all churches actually, is not only helping the minister and the leaders, but helping everybody get a good financial uh, grounding. Uh, so it's um, crcna.org. Is it backslash financial shalom? Is that uh, where those resources are found? Yes, actually, uh, that's where they are. Any uh, CRC ministers can uh, can apply for, for some of the aid. Uh, the other thing that uh, we're encouraging is that if the minister wants, they can come in and request uh, some financial tools for their entire congregation. Uh, we've got... Uh, uh, a lot of uh, material out there. And so we would encourage the, uh, the churches and ministers to, to look at it all. And uh, Money Life from Crown is available as well, right? That's an online uh, financial literacy uh, curriculum that's available to churches. Uh, church leaders can check it out and share it with, uh, with their church members as well. Yeah, and, and Financial Shalom has, has committed that if you want to have the entire congregation do the course. Uh, we will fund that. I, I do have one great story with that. We we had a minister from a inner city church and out on the East Coast. Um, this person has led this church for many years. Uh, it's a church that barely has two nickels to rub together. And this person decided they were going to have their youth group take this course so that we could start getting some training early in their lives. And it had huge success. Um, and this is inner city youth who, who suddenly got excited about the idea of going to open a new bank account. Um, 
So there's lots of opportunity and I think we just have to be bold and go out and do it. Uh, that's a, that's a great, uh, great way to end our conversation. John, uh, this has been a delight. Uh, again, I'm so appreciative of your time, not only today, but just the time uh, you took with me to prepare for today. I want to remind those who are joining us live, but also those who will be watching this uh, recording, that uh, this will is, uh, will make this available as a podcast. We'll also uh, make it in video form. Think about uh, somebody that you can share this with, uh, church leaders, uh, somebody that you serve on your church council with, share it, and then follow back up with them and say, hey, did you get a chance to listen to that podcast? Uh, did, you, did it spark any ideas? Uh, what did you think about it? Also, I want to just remind you that all of our church resources from Barnabas Foundation are available at church.barnabasfoundation.com. And uh, it's a really handy site just to get access to everything that, that we offer for churches. Again, John, uh, thanks so much. And uh, we'll be seeing you around. And uh, God bless you. Thank you for listening. This audio has been brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn how we can help you experience smart and powerful generosity. Visit us today at www.barnabasfoundation.com.